Good Friday, the night that Jesus died. What was it like to see him pass? Where did his followers go? Where did everyone go? What did everyone do? What would you do? Your friend, brother, leader, teacher, God, your Lord is dead. Your future is gone in a brutal and surprising way. Jesus made it possible for you to manifest the best world you couldn't even imagine. What now? What was it like the next morning? Luke tells us of two disciples walking to a village called Emmaus. They were already seven miles from Jerusalem, the place where it all went down, and on their walk, they were talking about everything that had happened. I imagine that wherever his followers were, they were probably clustered in ones or twos, threes, small groups, and they were telling stories, stories of what just happened in shock, in disbelief, in grief, in anger, in sadness. And, and they didn't know what to do next. This year, we can't gather as a church on the beach. Instead, we're each in our homes, scattered. And like the disciples, we found ourselves grappling with questions about the future. Another story after Jesus had died tells of six or sevens of his disciples going out to fish. Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, after all, and the water was a familiar place to them. They knew how to be there, and they knew what to do. Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen, after all. The water was a familiar place for them. They knew how to be on it and normal activities provided them a good place to go back to. I imagine it was a good place to question what had happened, to retell the story of who and what possibilities they lost. Tonight, we gather as disciples and friends to remember. We're enacting our Good Friday service out at the same place where we normally do, except we'll be a mile out to sea. So uh, let's gather, join together, and enter into the Good Friday story. This trip functions as a pilgrimage of sorts, an embodied prayer that we can put our bodies into so that we can be active as we let the questions resound. And as you enter tonight, bring a couple of things. Uh, first, a cup, uh, some everyday wine, and first, a cup, some everyday drink, and everyday bread. Feel free to take the bread and drink throughout the service. Uh, just wait for us to start. And make it a real-time event for you. Maybe a word, an image, or a phrase strikes you. Pay attention to it. Maybe you want to rest in the word, the image, the phrase. And just use the controls to pause and stay there in the moment, or maybe many moments. Rewind to hear it again. 
Maybe you want to capture in writing a realization. Maybe you get a word directly from God. Write it down. Maybe you don't quite understand something. Write. I'm sure what comes out will be instructive. Maybe you want to be in silence. Maybe you want to share with the person in the room with you or call someone. Apply your senses finally. Hear the story with your ears and your nose and your tongue and your skin. Apply your senses to the story and let them accompany your imagination. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and said, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal? He said, enter the city, go up to a certain man and say, the teacher says, I and my disciples plan to celebrate the Passover meal at your house. The disciples followed Jesus' ins instructions to the letter and prepared the Passover meal. After sunset, he and the twelve were sitting around the table. During the meal, he said, I have something hard but important to say to you. One of you is going to hand me over to my conspirators. They were all stunned. Then began to ask one another, it isn't me, is it, Master? It's not me. Then Judas said, it isn't me, is it, Rabbi? And Jesus said, don't play games with me, Judas. And during the meal, Jesus took and blessed the bread. He broke it and gave it to his disciples. Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And taking the cup and thanking God, he, he gave it to them. He said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood. God's new covenant poured out for you. For the forgiveness of sins. And I'll not be drinking wine from this cup again until that new day when I'll drink with you in the kingdom of my Father. And Jesus told them, before the night is over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. There's a scripture that says, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But, but after, but after I'm raised up, I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, leading you the way to Galilee. I, your shepherd, will go ahead of you, leading the way to Galilee. And Peter broke in. Even if all else fails, on account of you, I won't. Don't be so sure, Jesus said. This very night, before the rooster crows up at dawn, you'll deny me three times. 
Peter protested, even if I had to die with you, I would never deny you. And all the others said the same thing. So what does communion mean to me on this Good Friday service? You know, last year was one of the hardest years of my life. And it was, I was called to bear the burdens of my family. And in, in other words, God gave me a cross to bear. And it was a really difficult time. And I think I made it out, but I didn't make it out unscathed. I have some bruises still yet that God's still doing that. But one thing that I did find was God gave me this assignment. It was something that was very difficult for me to do. But in it, I found God more than I've ever found Him before. So this communion means a new start for me. It's the ending of that chapter, and I'm going to use this time, Good Friday, to remember that Jesus also had to bear the cross. He also had a hard assignment and now when I break, when I eat the bread that's broken for me, when I drink the cup that's broken for me, uh, I'm drinking and eating along with someone who's already done that for me. And so that's the good news of Good Friday for me. God's giving me a second chance and He's still working. But as I take this cup and as I eat the bread, God's going to be, I'm gonna be using that as, as inspiration to start a new season. So, I just wanna say, I drink the cup of forgiveness, which is his blood poured out for me. I eat this bread, which is his body broken for me. And I remember his love today. And there's a Psalm that God put on my heart. It says this, if I go to the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand won't let me go. So as we take this cup, as we eat the bread together, know that God's right there with you, alongside of you, and He will never, ever let you go. I think for me, um, the power of the blood of Jesus has just grown for me uh, the older I've gotten. I think when I was young, I, I couldn't really relate to kind of the gruesome picture of you know the crucifixion and the body and the blood of a man beaten and poured out for me but really the older I get the more it makes so much more sense to me my I don't believe that I could at this point in my life really trust a God who wasn't um, a suffering a suffering God who wasn't uh, broken in the same way that I feel broken and more. Uh, I think the older you get, the more wrung out you get, the more experiences you have of, of being at your limit. I think 
the more powerful and more necessary it is to have the life of Jesus demonstrated in his death. And um, so I think as I get older, I actually feel like communion is going to be more and more powerful to me simply because it's so visceral. And it's, I feel the, hu the humanity of it more. Then Jesus went with them to a garden called Gethsemane and told his disciples, stay here while I go over there and pray. And then he said, this sorrow is crushing my life out. Keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell on his face praying, my father, if there is any way, get me out of this. But please, not what I want. You, what, what do you want? When he came back the next time, he said, are you going to sleep on and make a night of it? My time is up. The Son of Man is about to be handed over. Get up, let's get going. My betrayer is here. The words were barely out of his mouth when Judas, the one from the Twelve, he showed up. And with him a gang from the high priests and religious leaders, brandishing swords and clubs. And the betrayer went straight to Jesus. He greeted him. How are you, Rabbi? And kissed him. And Jesus said, friend, why the charade? Then they came on him, grabbed him and roughed him up. And Jesus addressed the mob. What is this coming out after me with swords and clubs as if I was a dangerous criminal? Like day after day, I've been with you sitting in the temple teaching and you never so much as lifted a hand against me then. You've done it this way to confirm and fulfill the prophetic writings. And then all the disciples, they cut and ran. Jesus was placed before the governor who questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, if you say so. It was an old custom during the feast for the governor to pardon a single prisoner named by the crowd. At the time, they had the infamous Barabbas in prison. With the crowd before him, Pilate asked, which prisoner do you want me to pardon? Jesus Barabbas or the so-called Christ? The governor asked, which of the two do you want me to pardon? They said Barabbas. Then what do I do with Jesus, the so-called Christ? They all shouted, nail him to the cross. But for what crime? But they yelled all the louder, nail him to the cross. Then he pardoned Barabbas, but he had Jesus whipped and then handed over for crucifixion. Now arriving at Golgotha, the place they call Skull Hill, they offered him a mild painkiller, 
a mixture of wine and myrrh, but when he tasted it, he wouldn't drink it. Along with him, they also crucified two criminals, one to his right and one to his left. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him, saying, Some Messiah you are, save yourself, save us. But the other one made him shut up and said, Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said, don't worry, I will. Today you will be with me in paradise. From noon to three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Some bystanders who heard him said, he's calling for Elijah. One of them ran and got a sponge soaked in sour wine and lifted it on a stick so he could drink. The others joked, don't be in such a hurry. Let's see if Elijah comes and saves him. But Jesus again, crying out loudly, breathed his last. At that moment, the temple curtain was ripped in two, top to bottom. There was an earthquake and rocks were split in pieces. What's more, tombs were opened up and many bodies of believers asleep in their graves were raised. After Jesus' resurrection, they left the tombs, entered the holy city, and appeared to many. The captain of the guard and those with him, when they saw the earthquake and everything else that was happening, were scared to death. They said, this has to be the Son of God. There were also quite a few women watching from a distance, women who had followed Jesus from Galilee in order to serve him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee brothers. Late in the afternoon, a wealthy man from Arimathea, a disciple of Jesus, arrived. His name was Joseph. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate granted his request. Joseph took the body and wrapped it in clean linens, put it in his own tomb, a new tomb, only recently cut in the rock, and rolled a large stone across the entrance. Then he went off, but Mary Magdalene and the other Mary stayed sitting in plain view of the tomb. A thought to leave with, before all of this, Jesus shared his cup. He shared the cup with the man who would betray him and the cup, the man who would deny him and with everyone who would leave him. And then what? What about the few women who were watching from a distance? Well, the scripture says, after the Sabbath, as the first light of the new week dawned, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to keep vigil at the tomb. Suddenly, the earth reeled and rocked under their feet as God's angel came down from heaven. The ritual of Christians eating together, the ritual that we call communion, is obviously a celebration of community. It's a celebration of our community with Christ and also a celebration of our fellowship with one another. It's also a celebration of the nature of the community in which we exist and relate. A community of love is best defined by our willingness to sacrifice with one another, to hang with one another in times of uncertainty and challenges. A community of faith, on the other hand, is our willingness to hang together in the belief that challenging times are going to get better 
We are a people of love and we are a people of faith. We are a community of sacrifice and we are a community of grand expectation. It's Good Friday, but Resurrection Sunday is on the way. Jesus.